Blog Talk Radio. Welcome everyone. You're listening to Living a Courageously Authentic Life. We're coming to you live from Blog Talk Radio, and I'm your host, Jennifer Monahan. And before I forget, I want to wish a happy Thanksgiving to all my U.S. listeners. Uh, tomorrow's the big day. And I hope that the day is filled with a lot of love and laughter and gratitude for the blessings that you have in your life. So today I want to talk about everyday courage. And I know we talk about courage on this show uh, fairly frequently, but we haven't talked about everyday courage. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And feel free to call in with your thoughts or questions. The number here is 323-870-3896. So when I say the words courage, or if I say, oh, that's a courageous person, what comes to mind for you? Some of you may see, I don't know, Mel Gibson in Braveheart leading his clan to battle or Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman bravely fighting the Nazis. Or maybe others of you, especially those of you on the West Coast, may see a firefighter running into a burning building that others are trying to escape from. Or perhaps you think of someone like Rosa Parks or Mother Teresa who quietly, with uh, dignity and and perseverance stood up for the rights of others. Or maybe you see someone who has some type of a physical disability battling all the odds and competing in the Olympics. These are definitely all examples of courageous people. Um, And and I I call this big courage, right, what I just described. But but sometimes we stop our definition of courage right there with with the big courage things. We, We say or feel... That courage is reserved for those big events, kind of those once-in-a-lifetime events where you have to do something huge, like stand up in front of a line of tanks in Tiananmen Square to protest the massacre of people standing up for their rights, or continuing to go to school after being brutally shot for doing so in the first place, or, or for disarming that shooter in a school or a theater of a church. And I don't want to minimize the courage that it takes to do those big things. I mean, each one of these people, and they're all real people that I just described, is courageous. And they're inspirational. And and we all hope that if we're ever in the same type of situation, that we can step up to the plate and be equally as courageous and inspirational, right? And And they deserve our gratitude this day before Thanksgiving. They deserve our gratitude because... What they're doing is, is, is helping to change the world and make it a better place. But courage is so much more than just that one big action or a series of one big actions, right? And when we overlook the ways that we have the opportunity to bring courage forward in our everyday lives, we actually end up overlooking ways that we can continue to be true to ourselves and true to our ideals and to live authentically. Because as I've mentioned before, it takes courage to live authentically and be true to who we are every day and show who we are every day. So here are some other courageous people uh, that, you know, beyond the ones I, I just listed off, here are some other courageous people that we might overlook as we go through our day. And we might not even recognize the courage that they are bringing forward. So 
The first one is the woman who decides to leave her abusive husband, even though she has no idea how she's going to support herself or her children. That takes courage. The son who goes against the family tradition of working in the family business and instead decides to pursue his dream of doing some kind of completely different type of work. Or the school child who tells the other kids to stop calling another child names and stands up for that child. The person who makes eye contact with and actually starts talking with the homeless person that he or she is walking by instead of just walking by and pretending that the person didn't exist. And, you know, courage could be as, I'll say simple, even though it's not always simple to do this, but the courage could be as simple as the person who breaks out of his or her normal routine and tries something new, whether that's taking a different route to work or going to a new restaurant or even trying a new type of food or social activity. It takes courage to put yourself out there. So courage doesn't have to be a big event. In fact, very few of us will probably have the opportunity in our lives to have those big event courageous moments, right? Our lives tend to be made up of more uh, smaller moments, uh, one after another. And every one of us has opportunities every single day to be courageous in those smaller moments and, and what I call everyday courage. So today I want to talk about that, you know, everyday courage. What is it? What are some examples? Why is it important? And how do you start doing it? So call in with your questions. Again, the number here is 323-870-3896. And we'll start, uh, we'll start looking at what everyday courage is. So I'm going to start off with William Shakespeare. So he wrote this very famous play called Julius Caesar. And uh, in, in the play, Julius Caesar, Julius actually says this quote, Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. And I got to say, old Bill was spot on with this one, right? Every time we give into our fear, whether that fear is preventing us from going after our dream job or moving to that part of the world that makes our hearts sing, or hold us back from even saying hello to that person that we're interested in, we die a little inside. We move just a little bit away from what it is that our heart and our authentic self wants for our life. And in the moment, that little movement away from what we want for our life may not look like much, but over time, we can end up completely off course and far, far away from the life that we desired. Similar to how, you know, if you think about a boat or a plane, if they're on their navigation system and they're off by just one degree, with time, the route can uh, cause them to end up someplace very different than what they had planned. We end up further away from who we are because we've held ourselves back from being who we are because of our fear. And we feel it inside of us. We know it. We feel that little death inside of us. 
we we feel the the I'll call it the snuffing out of our light our spark of life, right? Maybe not entirely snuffing it out, but making it a little smaller and a little smaller and a little smaller. And we may feel the sadness or, or another type of negative feeling that accompanies giving into our fear. Even when we're telling ourselves that our decision was the, quote, safe or logical or right one. We feel it in our hearts and our guts that it was not the safe, logical or right decision. And the reason for this is because unlike our minds, our bodies are incapable of lying to us. Our minds can make up any kind of story to justify why we do or do not do something. Our minds are really powerful that way. They, they can repeat that story over and over again like, like a mantra in our heads until we almost believe it ourselves. And I say almost because our body knows the difference, right? But we, we tell ourselves that we believe it. And, you know, what's interesting is we, we sometimes are only fooling ourselves when we tell ourselves those stories, right? And, and our friends or family may call us out on it and say, hey, it's not what you're saying. It's you holding yourself back, right? But our bodies cannot lie. And when we're connected to and in touch with our bodies, we can use our bodies as a barometer of the truth. And, you know, we've all felt, we've all been in situations where we've done something or we've said something or we haven't done something or said something, and we felt that sick feeling in the pit of our stomach, uh, And that sick feeling really alerted us to the fact that the path we were on or the decision we were about to make or the the point we were about to say was not the right one. I I think I've shared on other shows how the few times that I've ignored what my body is telling me and instead going with what my mind was telling me, I regretted it and had some of the most difficult and painful times in my life. So learning to listen to our bodies is a key step in knowing when we're giving into our fear and not living courageously in our everyday life. I, um, I often do a meditation with my clients. Uh, it's when they're trying to make a decision and they aren't sure which direction to go in for that decision. And so as a coach and a shaman, you know, my job is to provide information and healing at the spirit level. Uh, to ask the tough questions, to get someone to think about their life and situation, and to listen. But my job is not to make the decisions for my client. And I always tell my clients that anything that comes up during a session as a possible action item or even a piece of feedback is just that. It's a possibility. It's up to my client to take that piece of information and figure out what to do with it. Because ultimately... We are all 100% responsible for our own lives, which, in case you were wondering, is an example of everyday courage, and I'll talk more about that in a few minutes here. But back to a client who doesn't know uh, the decision to make. So when a client doesn't know what to do or when their mind is being really loud and telling them something that kind of drowns out with their heart or their fear, Uh, you know, drowns out their heart and what the heart is saying or what the gut is saying and and the fear is preventing them from moving forward. I take them through this meditation that I found is quite powerful. And I have them visualize they're doing both options 
and connect to how they feel in their bodies in each case. And every single time that I take them through this guided visualization and guided meditation, my client will get clarity because the meditation helps them quiet their mind and ignore their fear and allows them to connect to how each decision feels within them, within their body. And it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing when I do this exercise with my clients, the insights that they get and what they learn about themselves and their life path. And the same is true for us, right, if we we do this type of meditation. When we are in alignment with our life path, we're far more able to listen to the wisdom of our bodies. In addition to giving us guidance on what we should do or not do, this type of meditation also helps us understand when we're not living in, in an everyday, courageous kind of way. Because as we go through the meditation, it highlights the fears that are holding my client back, uh, which is often, and I know I've talked about this before, a critical first step in moving through the fears. And this is important, right? Because moving through fear is something we all have to do, right? The fear never goes away. Uh, It's not that somebody has completely erased the fear of trying that new thing or, or going for that job or moving to another place or whatever. It's working through the fear and saying, I'm going to do it in spite of my fear, right? Um, and what I found is that living courageously is something we have to practice. It's, it's almost like a muscle that we have to exercise. And each time that we, for example, are lifting weights and do a repetition of that lift, it makes us stronger, right? Our muscles get stronger. We're able the next time to maybe lift more times or maybe we're able to add an extra five pounds on and, uh, and push our muscles a little further. The same is true with being courageous. Every time we walk through our fear and do something that's aligned with our heart, no matter how small it is, it makes us stronger because we're exercising our courage muscle and it makes us more able to face whatever that next fear is. And I'll I'll give you a a simple example. So when I was in high school, uh, the town I lived in had a public swimming pool and my best friend and I would go down to the town swimming pool during the summer because why not, right? It's summer, you're in high school. Um, supposedly, we were going to swim, but, you know, full disclosure, we uh, really wanted to work on our tans, which is an impossibility for me because I'm Irish and I have this pale skin that all it does is burn. And, of course, we wanted to meet boys. But anyway, because it was a public pool, there would always be a lot of people there. And during the summer, you know, especially there's moms and babysitters with little kids, And this pool had a diving board. And the little kids, you know, would want to jump off the diving board to go into the pool. And I'd watch them. And when it was the first time ever for a little kid to go and jump off that diving board, each and every kid went through the same process. 
And, and what they would do is, you know, this little boy or little girl would walk so confidently the length of the diving board. They'd be smiling. They'd be happy, right, because finally they're big enough to go off of the diving board. And, you know, there's mom on the side of the pool or the babysitter on the side of the pool, you know, go, Johnny, go, Johnny, right? There's all sorts of encouragement. And then little Johnny would get to the end of the board and would stand there looking over the edge to the water below. Now, this diving board, just if you're visualizing this in your mind, this was not a high, a high diving board. It was a regular low height one. So I don't know, maybe it was a, a foot or two feet off the water. It wasn't significantly high. But when you're a little kid, that looks like a big jump. And it's just high enough to make it scary for the little kid who's never jumped before. So the kid would stand there for what probably felt like an eternity to him or her, looking over the edge, trying to decide whether or not to jump. And, you know, you probably figured out what happens, right? Some kids don't jump. They go running back to mom, sometimes crying and and possibly vowing to try again another day. But for most of the kids, they eventually jumped, right? They eventually got the courage and jumped and then they discovered that it was fun. So they'd swim to the side of the pool. They'd get out. They'd run over to the diving board with, of course, a lifeguard yelling, don't run, uh, and spend the rest of the day jumping and laughing and having such a great time. And what they did was they flexed their everyday courage muscle. And they discovered that what they had feared, in this case, wasn't really scary at all and you know, was actually a whole lot of fun. Similarly, uh, I know I've talked about this before, but this past spring, well, June, I chaperoned 30 or so 17 and 18-year-old Guatemalan high school kids for their week-long senior class trip. Uh, and we went to a bunch of places here in Guatemala. And this, this idea of, you know, kind of jumping off the diving board, obviously when you're, you know, the little kid jumping off also plays out with the, you know, the, quote, the bigger kids as well. So we went to a couple places that had waterfalls and then large pools of water underneath the waterfalls where where the kids could swim. And most of the boys would immediately run and start jumping off the top of the waterfall into the pools below. And, of course, their classmates are cheering them on. But there's this one boy when we were at this one place who stood on the top of the waterfall area for, oh, gosh, it was at least 20 minutes. And he was afraid to jump. I mean, you could see it. He was terrified to jump. Uh, This particular waterfall, you had to propel yourself off of the rock and get yourself out a little ways so you wouldn't hit other rocks. I know, terrifying as a chaperone. And I basically sat there ready to like call 911 the entire time. Anyway, from, you know, his classmates were there and they were cheering him on at first. And then, you know, Boys will be boys, right? They were teasing him when he didn't jump immediately, but it was good-natured teasing. It wasn't cruel teasing. Um, And from where I was, as I said, I could see that he was terrified. And really, this moment was a huge test of him overcoming his fear, flexing his courage muscle, and and being courageous. Um, So as his friends started to tease him, he started to make a bit of a game out of it. And I think probably because he was embarrassed, he was afraid because the other kids had all jumped. Uh, So he's, (laughs) he's standing up there and he starts dancing and doing all these funny moves at the top of the waterfall. 
we uh, we weren't the only group there. There were other people there just, you know, having a nice day in the fall. So all of the people there, not just our school trip kids, started to notice him and, you know, laugh at what he was doing, which was what he was trying to do. He was trying to release the, the fear and the pressure through laughter. And all the while, they're cheering him on uh, to give him the courage to jump. So finally, after about the 20 minutes, he jumped. And every single person at the waterfall, schoolmates and non-schoolmates, cheered and clapped for him. And he took a bow in the water. And then, just like the little kids on the, on the diving board, he ran right back up to the top of the waterfall to jump again. Um, now, what he did was he kept his little dance at the top of the falls because he decided he really loved the attention that everybody gave him. But instead of being up there for 20 minutes, he was only there for maybe a minute or two before he jumped. And I truly believe that, you know, the encouragement and validation that he got from everyone at the site gave him that extra bit of confidence he needed to flex his courage muscle. So when we think of living in everyday courage, we need to remember a couple things. First, courage is a muscle that has to be used and toned for it to be effective, which means that we have to practice courage all the time, much as we do crunches all the time to keep a flat stomach. Second, we can never underestimate the value that having others believe in us and giving us encouragement has on our ability to do something courageous. And third, just like when we exercise, the more we flex our courage muscle, the stronger our courage becomes, and we're able to tackle bigger and bigger things that require courage. So that boy on the high school class trip that I just talked about, The day before, we were at a public swimming pool, and, you know, he had no problem jumping off of the diving board there into the water. So that part of his courage muscle was fit and toned and was just like, yep, we got this. I'm good. And the next day, he added more weight or a bunch more reps going with the exercise uh, example to be able to jump off the top of the waterfall. And that's how everyday courage works. It strengthens us for the more complex things that come to us in our lives, the things that we may face as an adult that require a deeper well of strength and courage to face, for example. Now, obviously, I don't know this for a fact, but I do like to think that the high school boys jump from the top of the waterfall and the support that he felt from the people there will give him the resilience and courage for the next big thing in his life. But again, as you think about your life, And this idea of strengthening us, right? Every time we practice courage, we become stronger and stronger. And we're able to take on more. We're able to do more with our lives. And we see this all the time with small children, right? You know, the swimming pool example is just one example. You know, it takes courage to jump off the swimming pool diving board. Um, But then, you know, there's courage to go to school for the first time and not be with mom or the daycare, or wherever it is, you know, have that new experience. And each thing becomes just a little bit more, it's an additional rep or a little bit more weight on on your life that you get to flex your courage muscle. I am taking calls, so call in with your questions or your examples of how you flex your everyday courage. The number here is 323-870-3896. Now, the really good news is that there are opportunities for you to flex your courage muscles every single day so that you're ready for when that 
quote, big courage moment may come into your life. So I mentioned before that one part of everyday courage is being responsible for our lives. When we are responsible for our lives, we are, in effect, saying that we will not view ourselves as a victim or give someone else control over our lives. Now, we may still have something bad happen to us. I mean, that's, that's life, right? We have our good days, we have our bad days, and we all have times where we go through some pretty tough times. But when we're responsible for our lives, we keep our power and our internal strength. And we recognize that we always have a choice in every single situation that happens in our life. And that at a minimum, that choice is how we respond rather than reacting how we respond to the situation. When we're responsible for our lives, we know that we can choose how we respond and ultimately what we do from that choice. We are empowered. You know, I was talking with a, a client the other day and we were talking about empowerment. And empowerment is when we maintain a full ownership of our lives, right? And, and, and we know that life may throw us a curveball, but rather than having those curveballs knock us down or maybe knock us down permanently, uh, we pick ourselves up and we keep going forward because we know that if we didn't, we would not be doing the most with our lives. We would not be responsible for our lives. So, let me give some examples of how courage looks like, what it looks like in this situation of uh, being responsible for your life. And I'll share the first one. I'll give a couple. The first one is from my personal life. Um, let's say you are in a car accident. Let's say you're walking across the street and some guy in a minivan hits you at 25 miles an hour. And you end up having some injuries as a result. Now, the accident was the fault of the other person, right? Uh, the pedestrian, you in this case, were in the crosswalk. You had the walk signal. You had looked both ways, and the guy just barreled on through and didn't see you. It was the fault of the other person. There are two ways that you could respond or react to this accident. The first is to go into victim mode. Oh, my gosh. My life is never going to be the same again. Uh, I'm, you know, this man took away all this stuff from me and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, victim mode, right? The other is to maybe not literally because of your accident, but the other is to pick yourself up and say, I still have my life. Let's see what we can do with it, right? The person who's responsible for his or her life and empowered in his or her life would take the time necessary to heal, right? We need to, need to heal. So taking that time is important. And that is a way of empowering yourself, saying this is what I need. I need to take time to rest. I need time to recuperate, time for physical therapy, time to get fully back on my feet. So you take the time that you need, empower yourself to take that time necessary to heal. Um, but do so while not giving up on your life, right? That's important. Or do so by not saying things like, oh, that person took away my life or that person took away my ability to do something, right? You're still fully empowered. You're saying I'm giving myself time to heal. I'm giving myself the gift of the physical therapy. I'm giving myself the gift to be able to do things again. 
A person who's responsible for his or her life will do what they need to in order to heal, like I said. And they will because, again, they're empowered. If there are legal steps necessary, they'll take those as well. But they'll do it from a place of empowerment rather than victimhood or revenge, right? Gee, I suffered during that accident. And there should be some type of restitution to me for my pain and suffering from the accident and the lost wages from not being able to work and, you know, this and that. That's from a place of empowerment. That's very different than I'm going to get that guy and make him pay for the rest of his life because how dare he, blah, 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 blah. See the difference? An empowerment place rather than victimhood or revenge. Courage in this situation comes from knowing that you have to care for yourself. And you are responsible for yourself and you're responsible for your healing. Um, And do so in a way that's positive and uplifting rather than giving into some kind of negative way that would cause you to give away your personal power, right? Another example, and this is a a pretty common example, uh, are when people are in a relationship, in a committed relationship uh, with someone. So sometimes... When someone's in a relationship with someone else, uh, he or she ends up giving away uh, his or her life for the other person. So they may give up on their dreams. Uh, They may stop spending time with other friends. Uh, They may stop doing things that they love and focus just on being fully available for the other person. And you know, we, well, first off, we all probably know someone like this. Um, I, I know some people in my life that whenever they're in a relationship, they, they disappear off the face of the earth. It's like all of a sudden I've lost a friend. And then when the relationship ends, my friend comes back. And, and that friend has put all of his or her energy into the other person and neglected what he or she needed for her, him or herself, Right. Now, a person who's responsible for his or her life will definitely make room and include their love interest in their life. I mean, that's part of being in a relationship where you're spending time together, you're doing things together, you're you're talking, sometimes you're compromising, right? You're giving a little, he's giving a little, and you're, you're learning how to be a couple, right? And that's important. But at the same time, a person who's responsible for his or her life will also recognize that he or she still needs to be going after their life dreams, spending time with friends, doing things that fill them with joy and passion because that's how they bring the best of themselves forward, right? Uh, They go from being a shell of a person doing whatever it is that the uh, significant other is all about to bringing a fully enriched and diverse and interesting person into the relationship. The courage comes forward when you do that, right? Because one thing that some of us have a fear of is that if we're not 100% available for someone, they may stop liking or loving us. Another thing that we may be afraid of is, gee, if I'm fully myself, that person may not like or love us. And, you know, I always... I always say, gee, if the person can't like you for who you are, why would you turn yourself inside out and be something you're not? And you're just fooling yourself, right? So it takes courage to be fully yourself in a relationship. Now, there are plenty of other ways that you can show courage in everyday life as well. So 
Another big one is being able to say the word no. Um, it can be difficult to say no, right? We, we may be afraid that if we say no to others, uh, that those people will think less of us or maybe they'll make fun of us or somehow we might end up looking like someone who doesn't have it all together because well, what do you mean you can't fit that other thing into your schedule? Or that we may even look like um, we don't care. And, you know, we also worry that if we say no, that somebody's going to stop liking us as well. So we end up giving in, right? Uh, when, we, when we don't say no, we end up giving in. We give in to whatever that fear is that we have. And we take on that additional project at work or we chair a school meeting or we do that thing we don't want to do. When we know we don't have the time or the skill or the interest in doing so. And we feel it again, we feel it in our bodies, right? We, we, we dread and we resent our body lets us know that we really don't want to do this for whatever reason it is that we don't want to do it. Um, we dread and resent it. We may even have physical symptoms such as nausea before going to these meetings or, or meeting up with uh, this group or whatever it is that we didn't say no to. And we feel ourselves die a little inside, much as William Shakespeare said. When we're living with everyday courage and we're flexing our courage muscle, we learn that we can say no without any type of guilt or pressure because we're saying no from a place of self-empowerment. I know it ties together with the, the last example, right? But we are empowered and we know what's best for ourselves and we know what's best for the event or whatever it is that is being asked of us. Now, I, I know sometimes we do have to do things. There are times where, you know, we have to do things we don't want to, and, and that's the reality of life. I'm talking about those times where we just, you know, we're almost like a doormat, and we just say yes to everything and, um, and give ourselves away each time. Everyday courage means that we honor what we need and what we're capable of. Another way of living everyday courage and this is another big one that I think if all of us brought forward in our lives, we would see a huge change in our lives, is to use our voices and speak up for ourselves, for others, and for what we want in our life. You know, it takes a ton of courage to ask for the raise or the promotion at work or to ask someone out on a date or to share your opinion in a meeting with a bunch of people who are higher level than you or even to share your opinion or what your thoughts are or what you want to do with your life, with your family. You know, I, when I first started doing my shamanic work, I didn't tell anybody. I told, well, I can't say I didn't. I think I told five people about it. And there were five people that I trusted very much. And the reason I didn't tell anybody at that time was because I was afraid that people would reject me that they would think I was crazy or woo-woo out there or, uh, you know, off the deep end of that diving board, whatever it is. You know, I was afraid that people would reject me and no longer accept me as, as part of their family, you know, or part of their friend circle. 
the risk of ridicule and rejection can be extremely high when we use our voices. And we've seen it, right? We, we, we've seen it in all aspects of our lives, right? When you know, think back to being a, a kid in school and, and you know, I, I know there was a kid in my school, in grammar school, who was picked on uh, because uh, he had a, a, a physical disability. And it took courage to stand up and tell the other kids no. And doing so, I knew that these kids could turn on me just as easily as they've turned on this other kid and start making fun of me, right, and give me some cruel nickname and things like that. And so it goes throughout our lives, right? Every There are moments in our lives where we know we need to speak up, and we often don't. And again, part of us dies inside. I'll share, um, you know, this idea of everyday courage. I, uh, as you may know, I've written my second book, and it will be out in 2019. And one of the things that you need to do when you have a book is reach out to other authors and ask them if they'll read your book and then write uh, an endorsement of the book. Those are the little blurbs on the back of the book. You know, this is the best book I've ever written or engaging and enthralling and you should read this book now, right? Um, Those don't just magically appear. You have to reach out to other authors. And for my first book, I reached out to other authors and and I was nervous about doing so. Um, And I decided... For this second book to up the ante, right? So as I started to reach out to the other authors to ask them if they'd read my second book uh, and consider writing that endorsement, I compared that to when I wrote my first book. So when I wrote the first book and was reaching out to other authors, I'm not going to lie, I was nervous, right? This was a, a courage muscle that I had never used before. I was nervous about doing this. I was worried that the people I was asking would say no, or worse, you know, they'd say yes, and then they'd hate my book, or they'd make fun of it, or they, you know, laugh at it, and um, and, and it took me, you know, I had to, I had to take uh, some deep breaths and and push through that in order to get the blurbs that I have on my book now. Now, for my first book, everyone that I reached out to said yes, and they all ended up liking my book and writing some beautiful reviews of it which was great, and um, it made me feel really good about the first book. So this time around for my second book, having flexed that courage muscle in the past, I decided to go big or go home for some of my endorsements. So I reached out to some really big names, think like Oprah-level names, and I asked them if they would endorse my book. And I realized, you know, because I'd been through this before, that what I'd been worried about and afraid of last time probably wasn't anything to fear, right? And I also knew that there was no way that any of these famous people were going to endorse my book unless I asked them to. Because they have no idea that little Jennifer Monaghan has a book that's coming out in 2019. It's not like we're sitting down having a cup of coffee together every week. Now, so far, all said no, (laughs) Um, But interestingly enough, they've said no, but they've been very kind 
And I've ended up having some really nice email conversations with a few of them who have indicated that they'll like to read it, but their literary agent doesn't allow them to write endorsements at this time, or maybe they can't write endorsements until after the book is published. So there's still kind of an open door, right? And, and I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't flexed my courage muscle the first time with book number one, and then use my voice and ask for book number two. So I know I've talked uh, a lot uh, other ways, you know, that we can live courageously on this show and other episodes, including identifying and releasing personas and limiting beliefs, uh, honoring and using your gifts and talents, right? It takes courage to bring those forward, being true to yourself and true to your words and living integrity and being willing to take that first step and then each subsequent step towards your dream. And I won't recap those here. But, you know, feel free to go and listen to the recordings of these shows here on Blog Talk Radio uh, if you have specific information about how to bring those things forward in your life. So, okay, you've, you've, uh, you've said, yes, I'm interested, and I really want to start flexing my uh, courage muscle every day. Um, you know, what do I need to do? How do I go about doing it? Well, especially if you you want to do something that perhaps you haven't done before, right? Uh, let me give you a couple ideas of things that you can do. First off is try doing the meditation that I mentioned earlier uh, so that you can really submerge yourself into how you would feel if you took one option versus another or if you took the safe but fear-driven path versus, versus the courageous path, right? So sometimes when you are able to just compare the feelings that doing one thing over another has, it, uh, well, first off, highlights which way you should be going, but it also gives you the nudge you need to be courageous. And I do have an audio clip of of this meditation. So if you are interested in getting that audio clip, send me an email. Uh, you can email me at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at spiritevolution.co. That's admin at spiritevolution, all one word, dot C-O. And I'll send you that audio clip so you can listen to it. So that's the first thing that you can do is try that meditation and really allow yourself to feel what your body knows is the truth for you and then use that insight to act accordingly. The, the second thing that you can do is ask yourself, what is the absolute worst thing that could happen? And, you know, come up with the most ridiculous thing with all of the details and, uh, and then find something to either laugh at or, or at the very least recognize how false and unlikely your worst case scenario is. And I know I shared uh, on a different show, you know, my truck was, I was nervous about driving my truck because it wasn't working quite right for me here in Guatemala. And I was terrified of being stranded on the side of the road at night um, in the middle of nowhere with the truck not working. And of course it's raining. And then, you know, as my fear took over, it, it brought all these other things in, right? All of a sudden there were boa constrictors slithering around and, you know, all this stuff. 
by the time the boa constrictor showed up, I was able to laugh at it and say, okay, what's really the likelihood of this happening of me being completely trapped? And then I was able to overcome that fear and also come up with some smart ways to help me minimize some aspects of this, this, uh, this scenario from happening. The other thing you can do is look for inspiration uh, from others who have done something similar to what you're considering. So maybe it's a friend or a family member or somebody famous, or maybe it's a character in a book or a movie. Regardless of the source, imagine the power and confidence that they had, and then imagine that they pass that on over to you and they give you that power and confidence so that you can use. And finally, you know, take a deep breath, close your eyes, connect with your heart, and feel the truth and wisdom there. And then just take that step. Jump off of that diving board and do whatever it is that's been holding you back. I want to thank you for listening today. And again, I hope my U.S. listeners have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, tune in again in two weeks, uh, December 5th, and we'll continue our conversation. And visit my spiritevolution.co site for more information. Have a great day.